Tyler Jones, the fairly recently appointed head brewer of Portsmouth Brewery. How's it going, Tyler? Terrific. How are you guys? Not bad. It's New Year's Eve, so how can we be bad? Oh, exactly, exactly. So your last name is Jones. Yeah, New Hampshire native. Yep. Any uh, relation to Frank Jones? No, my father's been researching it, and uh, he hasn't found one yet. But he uh, apparently traced our lineage back to the Captain Jones of the Mayflower, who dropped off those crazy people and went back to England. <laughs> Tell us how you got started brewing. Truth is, I found a homebrew kit in the closet, the house I was living in in college, and just started brewing on it. I was a chemical engineer, so it made sense to me. Spend the same amount of money on a 30 rack of less flavorful beer, or buy a homebrew kit and you have 50 bottles of it. So it just made sense to start homebrewing and just grew into a love from there. After school, I kind of decided to brewing was what I wanted to do for a living. I ended up going out to UC Davis, uh, did the Master Brewer Certificate out there, then started researching. Both Portsmouth Brewery and Smutty Nose weren't hiring at the time, so I worked down at uh, Ipswich at Mercury Brewing Company, a little 30-barrel uh, production facility. Really kind of got the nuts and bolts there, and then the, head, the assistant brewer position opened up here at Portsmouth that I jumped on. The rest is history from there. And you got to work with New England brewing legend Todd Mott for a number of years. How was that experience? Uh, it was great. I mean, Todd, Todd's an amazing brewer. He's a true artist. Teaches you stuff you can't learn from a book. You know, it's kind of. I mean, I did. The, I mean, chemical engineer. Went to school, so I have like the whole big science background, and it was just the very artistic side of brewing, which is a huge component of it that not a lot of people are embracing. It was amazing to have that knowledge being hand down from the New England brewing legend himself. So, you've been head brewer since 2012. Yeah, it was uh, right after Vermont Brewers Festival 2012. So it was. Uh, July, July 2012. So, and you're in charge of uh, new recipes, development of recipes. Yep, in charge of it all. Yep, been made quite a few new recipes since been head brewer. Done a few tweaks to some of the good old standbys. A lot of them kept the same because I mean a lot of the recipes have been around for a while and people expect something. So consistency is important on that end of it. But I really every chance I can to have an open fermenter, try something new, try something different, really kind of experiment. <laughs> What's the percentage of the old recipes that you're using compared to the, the new ones you've got? I mean, the percentage of the old recipes, it's a tough get putting an actual percentage on it. I mean, I'm probably making a new beer maybe twice a month to have a new beer out. So, I mean, be able to still lean back on a lot of the old standbys that have been around a while. Not to say that some of them I'm taking those old recipes and tweaking them. Right. Uh, but, yeah, definitely kind of the new, like, brand new recipes, only maybe twice a month to be able to get one of those out. So we've been coming to Portsmouth Brewery since probably the first year it existed. And I've got to say, this last visit, we've been really impressed by a lot of the beers that are on tap. You've got a Saison. The Saison Hiver. Saison Hiver. Uh, winter Saison. You've got the Bière de Garde, mm -hmm. which is one of our favorite styles of beer. You've got something called Ronin. And you had just kicked a... Christmas beer called Kringle. The Christmas beer you're talking about is the uh, the Kringle's Crook. It's a uh, peppermint chocolate stout. What was it was on tap was uh, it was just on cask. We do have two beer engines we pull through, and uh, sometimes we get behind ourselves. Sometimes we're ahead of ourselves. In this case, we were a little ahead of ourselves, where the cask went on before the beer is even on. Uh, so it's it's literally there's probably five gallons of Lachette Noir right now. Once that kicks, we'll actually be putting on the Kringle's Crook. So it'll be on just in time for the, the holiday seasons here. We really hope that that kicks so that we could try the, the regular version because we were at the bar yesterday and we noticed the beer engine and noticed Kringle's Crook. 
someone next to us got it, and we asked about it because we have some experience with that kind of beer. I, I've had two recently, two mint stouts that were just awful. You know, the mint was overpowering, and I just didn't even want to try it. And the you know, bartender said, "No, you should. Here's a sample." And it's amazing. I mean, you get the the mint aroma, but it's not a sickly sweet beer. The roastiness isn't clashing with the mint flavors. Really, really enjoyable. Terrific. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how it presents uh, off the draft as well because I mean you know, obviously cask engine a little bit softer a lot round, more round I'm really curious I mean we did combination of uh, actually using fresh mint but also using uh, the mint candies too to kind of throw those in at the whirlpool uh, which I mean has the peppermint oil the corn syrup it's all fermentable so it all ferments out but you really get that peppermint kind of back note and we actually fermented it out on cacao nibs to kind of really enhance that chocolate note on top of kind of using a lot of those more chocolatey brown malts to kind of give that really kind of full-bodied back note. So in a batch that was, in a seven-barrel batch, how many candies or how many pounds of candy did you use in the Whirlpool? Well, truth is I was looking for a five-gallon bucket of candy canes, but they didn't sell it. So I had to, uh, I used uh, six, six pounds of the, uh, the candies. And did you have to unwrap each one individually? Oh, yeah. I got pictures. It was a, me, me and my assistant Matt kind of attacked it early morning and only took an hour or two to get them all unwrapped. I have to say, out of the multitudes of beers that we've had here over the years, over the decades, that stands out in my mind. I think I will always remember that beer because, like BR said, we had some terrible experiences with peppermint beer, mint beer, mint ch- chocolate stout. But this one, man, it just destroyed all the preconceptions that we had. It was uh, really well balanced. It had just enough sweetness, but really that peppermint flavor and with melding with the cocoa, it was I couldn't imagine it any better. Um, and the other beer that we're, we've been enjoying is your Belgian Golden Sour. Are you going to be doing more of that style? Yeah, the truth is, um, when I took over for Todd, one of my uh, we had a big ceremony and a passing of the torch, as it were. And uh, during that speech, I said my my wife really enjoys the sour beers. So happy wife, happy life. So we've been focusing a lot, kind of the sour beers, having to try to be able to do them with our system without infecting it's kind of interesting been uh, experimenting a lot with kind of sour mashes and sour kettles versus actually fermenting them out because once you get those quote-unquote bugs into the fermenters is kind of when you you start in- introducing a lot of problems into the system so um, yeah I mean you have the Belgian golden sour there which is uh, golden raisins which we uh, let sit in the, in, the, in the sour kettle as well as fermented it out on top of the golden raisins to so give that little extra raising back note, uh, but I do have a sour brune in fermentation right now that's going to be kind of backing that one up. This sour, the Belgian sour, that wasn't with a sour mash. No, that was a sour kettle. So we did uh, basically use the kettle almost like a fermenter and uh, let the let the, let the the bacteria work in the kettle itself. It definitely, it's not as traditional, but on a brew club scale here, it's a little, if you've taken a tour, you know how much space we have back there, so we don't have the room to be able to put those oak barrels out there and let them sit for six months and actually let it develop those flavors. So basically getting that kettle sour helps get those sour characteristics a little quicker, a little more controlled, and then you can kind of augment it with just a traditional Belgian yeast after that. So when you sour the beer in the kettle, that's after the boil? Pre-boil. So pre-boil, you sour it. Yeah. You just inoculate it with lactobacillus? Or? Yeah, we just add it right to the kettle. Yeah. And leave it for half half a day or overnight? Uh, we do. I mean, it depends what we're looking. It's anywhere from anywhere from a day to six days, depending how much how aggressive we want the sour to go. 
So maybe you should have studied microbiology instead of... Uh... <laughs> the truth is I learned a lot more of biology and when I went out to Davis than I had my entire schooling. It was crazy. I mean, there's a lot of that going on, um, which is honestly the hardest part of when I got into the brewing school is that microbiology, biology background. Well, I wish I did a little bit more in school, but, you know, I learned it in the six months while I was out there. And there's another beer. I mean, usually there could be one beer on tap that we'd be crazy about, and the rest are all good. But uh, this visit, the other beer. Oh, yeah, the Ronin with the sake yeast. It was an idea kind of brought to me from um, Smutty Nose uh, Charlie Ireland over there. Um, does a lot of their kind of small batch creative stuff. He's, he's like, oh, let's, let's brew a beer with a sake yeast. So we did about 30% of the malt profile is uh, rice, kind of in line with what the bigger guys would use. Instead of using your traditional lager strains, we use that sake strain, and it really kind of produces some really unique kind of green melon kind of front to the beer. Experimental, never used it before. The sake strain didn't quite finish it out all the way, so we did add some uh, Chico towards the end to really kind of finish it out, get a little clean finish on the beer. Also adding kind of the stick with the, the Japanese or the, the sushi kind of pairing uh, with any sort of fish. Uh, we did a little horseradish. We did a little and a little bit of ginger there, uh, both in the kettle as well as in the fermenter. It's just kind of that hint of kind of spice note, that hint of heat and finish. And, I mean, that's something I really focus a lot of my beers on is that, yes, I add all these things, but they're, they're just enough to be essences or kind of like a really nice balance or like a back note unless it's like an IPA which you want to kind of get hit over the top of your head with the hops but a lot of the time you can really massage and play with stuff and really just get these unique flavor combinations playing with each other during throughout the whole beer. So you get the subtleties without it being one-dimensional. Exactly yeah. And then also really nice beer to guard, uh, really full-bodied. For the beer to guard that's that's one of the uh, traditional beers that I haven't really tweaked too much. I mean, malt profile-wise, pretty similar to what we've always made in the past. Uh, I did use a different yeast strain this time around, but traditional beer de garde, fermented a little cooler, let it lagered, let it really kind of condition and help kind of really round out that back. Kind of almost saison-y front with that kind of lagery clean finish on it. So can you let us in on some ideas uh, for the future? Any concepts, beer styles that you're eyeing to do in the new year? Creating a new beer style is very, it's very awesome. I mean, I have the flexibility for my owner to be able to kind of do one whenever it comes to me. If I think up an idea, I drink a beer that I want, kind of want to like get some ideas from or I have a couple, it just, once it happens, I'm able to do it. There's no like planning stages. There's no getting approved. It just, boom, brew it, put it on tap, see what people think. Upcoming interesting styles. A spruce beer, maybe? Spruce beer has always been back in my head. I've kind of wanted to lean towards like more of a Kolsch base if I did a spruce beer. It is kind of, yeah, we're close to the spruce tip season would be a kind of a nice touch. always wanted to do a sati kind of along the same lines as kind of a spruce tip beer. I think a sour kettle and that would be an interesting little touch, too. I've been doing a lot of work with uh, John Forty over at Strawberry Bank. He's the curator over there. He really deals a lot of, like, the heirloom varieties that would have been growing in this area. And uh, he's a wealth of knowledge of tinctures and old-school brewing technique as well, too. So, I mean, I've been doing gruits with him seasonally. Um, he has a greenhouse over there that I'm going to try to pick off of and do a couple little things. Probably, like, Saison and uh, Meyer lemon. Uh, lemon, probably lemon peel. And then he has another herb that's been growing. That's a huge resource. It's a strawberry bank uh, with the gruits. You know, I really like the idea of using stuff other than hops to get flavor components. Because, I mean... Everyone knows hops, everyone knows what they do, everyone knows the bitterness that comes and the specific flavor profile that comes from them. And then there's a lot of new varieties out there that people are experimenting with. 
but I kind of almost like to experiment a little bit in the past where like look back, use that whorehound, use that mugwort, uh, use the lose like a natural purple sage that's been grown in the area or the, like a, a wild rosemary. You know, just kind of get these different herbal flavor components. And again, not over, hit you over the head with them. Put them in there, let them all be part of the beer, just part of the flavor experience as you're drinking. You must have been talking to Alex over at Earth Eagle. <laughs> yeah, Alex, I mean, they're, they're definitely, they've been using a lot of stuff too. They're making some good beers. I mean, they're, it's fun what they're doing over there. They have even more flexibility just because of their pure size. Uh, so hats off to what they're doing over there. Definitely making some good beer. Tyler, thanks so much for taking the time. and. Best of luck going forward. I'm sure you're going to be impressing people and surprising them for years to come with your exciting, well-made, delicious beers. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to talk to you guys. I mean, always always open arms. Come on back. There's always a, a fresh pint waiting for you. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.